0: Even though we are hurting, we are still able to move forward, especially when we do it together.
1: pacifica radio in los angeles this is the broadcast, as heard on kpfk 90.7 fm in la also in california and red bluff and redding on kfoi and round mountains kkrn up in oregon on the central coast on kyaq cottage groves queso eugene's KUPW, lanchester pennsylvania's w news maui hawaii's kaku in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX. Jamesville Wisconsin's WADR. And Minneapolis, St. Paul's, AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the Internet, on the Progressive Voices channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, Sandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing Planet Earth, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast. We will have a little bit more on this, um, and, and frankly, too many related news items in Desi Doyen's Green News Report. Yes, we will. A little bit later this hour. Hi, Des. Hi. Uh, but we need to begin here as well today. As the sun rose on Thursday, the search of the wildfire wreckage on the Hawaiian island of Maui revealed a wasteland of burned out homes and obliterated communities as firefighters continued to battle the blaze that has already claimed dozens of lives, making it now the deadliest in the U.S. since the 2018 fire in California that laid waste to the idyllic town of Paradise in just a matter of hours. Remember that, Des?
2: Oh, yes. that's Sadly, yes.
1: Uh, Fueled by a climate-changed dry summer and very strong winds from Hurricane Dora, passing about 500 miles to the south, firefighting helicopters were initially unable to take to the skies as the fire began on Tuesday when they took both residents and tourists by surprise. The blazes reportedly raced through parched growth and neighborhoods in the historic town of Lahaina, a tourist destination dating back to the 1700s. It is still the largest community on the island's west side, where photos of what looks like World War II devastation have just stunned much of the nation. The flames left uh, some with mere minutes to act, leading a number of residents to flee into the ocean for safety, where they were later rescued by the U.S. Coast Guard. Lahaina residents have been describing harrowing escapes under smoke-filled skies since Tuesday afternoon. Quote, we barely made it out, said one couple who fled with their six-year-old son to an evacuation shelter. On Wednesday, they said they were still uncertain if anything was left of their apartment. As the family fled, a senior center across the road erupted in flames. They called 911 but did not know if those people got out. Richard Olston, a helicopter pilot for a tour company, described the devastation as, quote, horrifying. I've flown here 52 years, he said. And I've never seen anything come close. We had tears in our eyes. Power was still out in parts of Maui. Cellular service was down as well, making it difficult for many to check in with friends and family members. On Thursday, Maui County Mayor Richard uh, Bisson Jr. said the island had been, quote, tested like never before.
0: Tragedy that hits one of us is felt by all of us. These past few days, the resolve of our families, businesses and visitors have been tested like never before in our lifetime. With lives lost and properties decimated, we are grieving with each other during this inconsolable time. We are truly grateful for our first responders and emergency personnel whose own families and friends have been affected by the Lahaina and upcountry fires. Our Emergency Operations Center has been fully activated, and we are fortunate to be able to work together with our federal, state, county, and business partners as we make our way through this crisis. Even though we are hurting, we are still able to move forward, especially when we do it together. In the days ahead, we will be stronger as a Kaya'ulu, or community, as we rebuild with resilience and aloha.
1: President Joe Biden on Thursday declared a major disaster on Maui. He ordered all available federal assets to help with the response and said the Hawaii National Guard had mobilized helicopters to help with fire suppression, as well as search and rescue efforts. The fires on Maui were the latest in a series of disasters caused by extreme weather around the globe this summer. Experts say climate change is increasing the likelihood of such events. The Big Island is also currently seeing blazes as well. However, there have been no reports yet of injuries or destroyed homes there as of this hour. As I reported on the fires on our previous broadcast, I mentioned our affiliate station, KAKU 88.5 FM on Maui, sending our regards to listeners out there knowing and perhaps hoping that our show would be preempted by live local emergency coverage on Wednesday. That has always been a key role for radio At least until so many stations on our public airwaves were allowed to be bought up by huge conglomerates, which automated many of those stations and ran them from thousands of miles away from the communities that they are licensed to serve, even during times of emergency. When I turned into KAKU's web stream last night, they were indeed running what seemed to be round-the-clock local coverage for the community. That's good. But I was able to check in with one of my contacts out there, Shaggy Jenkins, KAKU's former longtime program director, who told me that while the death toll last night was officially at six, quote, that number is going to skyrocket. In fact, as we go to air today, reports out of Maui are that at least 36 have now been confirmed dead, a number which is still expected to rise in the days ahead Joining us now from Maui is our friend Shaggy Jenkins, originally responsible for putting the broadcast on the air at KAKU, the voice of Maui, so you can blame him. He now serves as operations manager for Visionary Related Entertainment, which runs a number of stations on several islands on Hawaii, where he also hosts his own morning show as well and has been... Uh, Very busy over the last uh, 48 or 72 hours. Shaggy Jenkins, really grateful you're able to join us today on the broadcast, sir. Uh, Thanks for having me. It's been a while since I've talked to you. It has been a while. Uh, First, I need to ask you, Shaggy, how are you and your family doing? And are you still in an area that is uh, safely away from the fires?
3: Yes. Uh, So just kind of as a brief geography lesson for people that don't Mm -hmm. know how maui is laid out Um, we are you know between two large mountain ranges Mm -hmm. uh, haleakala which is the dormant volcano that's the side that i live
2: on Mm -hmm.
3: Um, then there's the west maui mountains that is of course on the far side of that is where uh, lahaina is although lahaina made a lot of national headlines parts of the neighborhoods upcountry mm. far away from Lahaina mm-hmm. um, have also had devastations we've had uh complete neighborhoods and subdivisions wiped out for local families mm. and I, I i don't know how to explain what whatever miraculous event occurred that i live in one of the few communities that was straddled between the Kihei Lahaina fires and the Haiku Makawal kula fires and we somehow stayed okay
1: well the miracle can be explained because you are needed shaggy to help uh, your community understand what's going on and and how to stay safe how how did you first learn about the fires uh, as I know that uh you know roads have been closed uh etc what have you been able to see from your vantage point which has so far stayed safe thankfully
3: um you, you know the thing is is that it's um it would be like doing one of those old pictures where you would cut out something that looked very idyllic and then put it over a disaster area mm. that it used to be. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where we're at. Um, our, our neighborhood is OK. You know, however, if you just take a glance a street over or take a glance down the mountain, mm. um, huge swaths of the island are uh, blackened. Charred mess. I mean, it's 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 on a scale that we've never seen, mm. and it is it's it's just exhausting to look at because it's still happening. Yeah. Uh, we we were fortunate that last night we had little brief pockets of rain in upcountry, but that did not uh, go towards the west side of the island where Lahaina is just. I, I I don't know how to describe Lahaina other than it's like hell opened its mouth. Uh,
1: wind gusts uh, were reported from Hurricane Dora, which was about 500 miles away. But uh, mm-hmm. nonetheless, uh, gusts uh, on uh, Maui were said to be at least 60 miles per hour and prevented the firefighting <laughs> copters from doing their work. Have, have those winds finally died down and have the copters been able to get into the air to do water drops and make any progress in containing the 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 blazes
3: yeah well, well first off i have to say uh, a big thank you to my uncle uncle richard he was one of the first guys that was uh, able to fly over the west side and appraise some of the damage now the ah. wind gusts that they were talking about were beyond 60 we were talking about 80 mile per hour gusts up here sometimes uh, peaking up to 100 miles yeah. uh helicopters for days were grounded. Now, as of yesterday afternoon, the wind conditions had died down, even though they're still pretty intense. Uh uh, It it is at least to the point where the more experienced uh, pilots can get up into the air. So water drops started happening yesterday afternoon. And that was the first time that we've been able to get aircraft up. Uh, Of course, from the National Guard and things, we do have some of the uh, larger Military planes that um, are usually on uh, Oahu, flying over the island, doing damage assessments and things like that. So uh, it is we we do have minimal airborne support today, but the winds are still gusting. We we've got steady, steady winds around twenty miles per hour, and soon you get in the air, it's still gusting between forty and fifty.
1: And by the time you get up to the numbers you were talking about, 80 miles per hour, that's hurricane force winds at that point. And you've got fires in the middle of that. Good Lord, no wonder they spread so quickly. Uh, You mentioned, Shaggy, last night when we chatted that the death toll was likely to skyrocket. And apparently, sadly, looks like you were right. It uh, now has... uh, Last I checked, it was 36. I know you've been in touch with officials there as you've been spending hours covering all of this on a number of stations out there. Do they still Mm -hmm. believe the death toll is likely to go higher from from 36?
3: Uh, Yes. And the reason why is because as we are speaking right now, um, I am I am a part of the civil defense uh, support system out here, thanks to uh, my work with the radio station. Mm -hmm. And we were told That today is the day that the National Guard and our local Maui Police Department, our Maui Fire Department, are are now starting to make their way into Lahaina for search and rescue and recovery. And we have not, since the fire started, been able to do a thorough block-by-block search Mm -hmm. for people. Uh, And as well as you can imagine, Hawaii has its own homeless problem, Mm -hmm. and there's some encampments over there where um, we knew that people were, but after the fires, we don't know what happened to those. So today, as search and rescue and recovery starts to go into Lahaina, we expect them to start finding people that were left behind. Mm.
1: Uh, I know that, uh, you know, many of us sort of think of, of Hawaii and Maui as, as tropical paradises. How unusual are these kind of fires uh, out there? And, you know, while I know that drier than usual conditions attributed to climate change have been cited as one of the reasons that these fires got so bad so quickly, have have conditions noticeably changed over the years out there? I know you have been out there for a very long time uh, in, in your many years in Maui. Is it... Uh, appreciably
3: different. Uh, yes, it is. It is, uh, it is appreciably different. Now, uh, part of that was for, uh, the reason that not too long ago, we shut down the sugar cane industry here, which was, uh, in, for people that do not understand Maui is a, a large ag island. Mm. So yes, we do have our tourist areas. We have our resorts and things like that, but they're kind of pushed to the edges of the island. When it comes to the center body of the island, it's mostly ag land. And when our sugar industry left, a lot of that ag land has either went uh, barren Mm. as they're waiting for different owners and things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of it got converted to uh, different farms, but it was mixed-use ag versus a huge monocrop. So as all of these changes have happened, it's dried out the island. So for the past five years, we've seen more and more brown than we us- we usually do, mm-hmm. because it's it's mostly a lush and green experience when you would come to island, mm-hmm. uh, come to the island before we shut down our sugar industry. Um, those conditions, those dry, big, open area fields, were some of the reasons that the fires here spread as much. And ever since the sugar industry ended, we have had. Um, a kind of a step up in our wildfires i, I know this is going to seem weird but uh-huh. at least once a year uh, we do have kind of a big fire that will break out and mm. i i mean it's it's not exactly something that you would entice somebody to work for the maui fire department but they do get plenty of training and time on these disasters and um, it's part of the reason that they were despite the terrible conditions they were put up against. It's yeah. part of the reason that they were as effective as they were at saving what they could.
1: I'll tell you, I'm reminded when you mentioned the ag industry leaving and sort of leaving behind a, a disaster, they don't restore the lands. It reminds me of the uh, the oil and mining industry. They come in, they you know get what they can out of it and they leave. And it's the taxpayers who, who are left to clean up the mess. Uh, and unfortunately, it's not just a, a monetary mess. Obviously, it's a—it's not just treasure. It's also blood, as we are seeing uh, with the the death toll climbing in Maui. Uh, tell me, uh, Shaggy, about the um, about the t- town of Lahaina. I'm embarrassed to say that I have not been there, oh, uh, but gosh. I know a lot of folks. I know I know a lot of folks that you know I've been hearing for, who have fond memories of the town, and of course, Maui in general. How, uh, tell me about the town and how much of that part of the town is even left standing at this point?
3: Well, the the reason you heard that heavy sigh there is because um, Lahaina is one of the most historic cities in the entire state. For the longest time under the Hawaiian nation, it was the capital of the entire island chain. Mm -hmm. Um, There is... there is uh, buildings uh, and plants, uh, the huge banyan tree and stuff that were built uh, by people that made first contact with the Hawaiian nation, and we are talking, you know, more than a century ago. Some of these buildings are about 130, 140 years old. Uh, it is it, before these fires. I cannot tell you how picturesque, how idyllic, how beautiful the that that town was um everything from the historic front side uh, front street side where you had this great view of some of the other islands beside these really historic buildings it was a wonderful place to catch sunsets you could set up on the break wall and watch the water roll in and um it's all gone and i it's it's um excuse me a sec it's kind of um kind of hard to put into scale how much history and how much of our old families that that were born and raised here for generations have lost everything um at 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 this time i mean we know that there's over 600 structural fires uh some of the um places that have been devastated um are are I mean, they're, 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 they're the postcard images that you send everybody mm-hmm. uh, when you when you come to a vacation here and they're all gone. Um, yeah. The the families that lived in those areas, they're they're gone. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, it's hard um, because we uh, on the island, we're very close, um, you know, as far as the, the, the local population, uh, mm-hmm. we we know everybody i mean you you just randomly discovered that me and the helicopter pilot are yes. related right. and uh, that's that's kind of the reality here is that if you live here uh you you're related to to, to everybody mm-hmm. and um uh today uh, having to uh, do the the normal radio work that we do on top of uh, having people uh, bands, uh, entertainers, uh, all the people that were born Maui famous um, calling and checking in just to see if I've heard from people that they know mm-hmm. uh, uh, fathers, uh, grandfathers, grandmothers like aunts, uncles um, it's almost overwhelming but at the same time it's the work that we have to do yeah Uh, but uh i can't i can't i can't praise lahaina enough um for the large part of anybody that that comes to the island that's where all the uh, older luau's are that's where all of the close close and uh, i say this because the tourism industry is notoriously uh terrible Mm. for overpopulating and over tourism but um the, the original, uh, the, the older Hawaiian um, history, the cultural centers, the uh, luau's, the dances and things like that, all of the facilities that used to do all of those things that people have uh, decades and decades of memories of, it's, yeah. all, it's all gone.
1: Uh, Shaggy, uh, how, how are the local officials there? I know that uh, since you're on the radio, and I know you've been spending an extraordinary number of hours, I think, running the overnight shift uh, and uh, your regular morning show. I know you're in touch with uh, local officials there. Uh, we played Mayor Bisson. Uh, how are they all holding up? And uh, what, if anything, can those of us here on the mainland do to sort of help you guys at this point is there anything that we can do
3: okay well let's start with um, the county of maui and the extraordinary effort that they are putting forward uh yesterday um i had went to um just like a lot of everybody else that was in this area that i'm in that Mm -hmm. we were spared from the fires yeah um as soon as they called for donations from clothing bedding um baby supplies uh, anything like that the county put the word out and i you know i'm very proud of of maui residents i mean this is why we say maui strong because literally everybody that could went to this location that was set up by the county of maui uh their parks and rec uh division ran some donation drives and they're running them again today and um the outporting of support from the community, as well as the infrastructure support, the planning, the execution on the part of the county. I mean, its it's been an amazing effort to see spring up out of nothing. Um, our mayor, uh, <laughs> in case anybody is wondering, is hardly sleeping right mm-hmm. now. He's catching uh, naps as he can, but... Uh, he is, uh, basically as much as possible, been very hands-on in these efforts of trying to make sure that, um, people get the help that they need, um, on the, uh, the side of the island where, you know, we, we have traffic control that still needs to happen. Um, we have land and natural resources, uh, they, they need to be uh, preserved and we need to assess the damages and, Everybody in the county, uh, employee, county workers, uh, people at the mayor's office, communications officers, uh, public information officers for the Maui Police Department and Maui Fire Department, they are worked to the bone. They've barely slept over the last couple of days and have put in an incredible, incredible amount of effort. And I mean, it shows um, the the uh, amount of supplies that we were able to collect yeah. and send out to people in need in Lahaina in such a short uh, short time frame yeah. was mainly due to the efficiency of our county officials. So we are um, we're very fortunate to have the uh, infrastructure of support that we do through the county.
1: When I asked you that same question last night, Shaggy, uh, one of the things you said was that uh, one of the things that we can do is stay away. (laughs) Is that that still uh, explain that comment?
3: (sighs) Okay. So, um, you know, as we're talking about the mayor, uh, the mayor did uh, kind of start talking to us in the communications industry about, hey, look, we, we need to halt as much as we can um and and a lot of people and I, I have to say this very carefully a lot of mainland uh worldwide people that that have upcoming plans to fly to maui have been a little insensitive and i'm not mm. going to let this ruin my vacation uh, mm. screw this i'm you know i'm going anyway um And then, you know, on the other side of the scale, we do have those well-intentioned individuals that's like, look, I have time, I have money, I have resources, I want to fly to the island and help you. For both of those groups, we are urging you to stay away. Now, the reason why is because just in Lahaina alone, we have lost 600-something structures, 29 poles are down, cell sites are down, we don't have working 911 service um, we we're all having to call police departments directly. We're, we're we're just making do with what we can. Yeah, and that's just one level of what tourists would consider an inconvenience. Right. We also we um, are having because of all the utility poles that were snapped, with the the wide areas that were burned down and stuff. This has caused uh, power infrastructure to be a little. Terrible. So we don't have water pumping stations and things like that. The water Mm -hmm. that we have uh, that we're not using to fight fires. And we have used millions of gallons of that in the last 24 hours. Yeah. uh, That needs to be for local families. Our roadways and everything are clogged. We only have about 100 fire fighting officers on island and each and every one of them is bruised, cut, battered. And a lot of them are burnt. Hmm. Um, we do not have the water. We do not have the power. We do not have the space because every single resort that we have that has an empty room, uh, we're trying to put in a, a local displaced family. Right. So when when we say please don't come to Maui, it's not one of these things <laughs> where it's like we're anti tourists Don't come around here. No. It's, it's more along the lines of we can't help you. And you can't help us. The way that gotcha. you can help us the best way is to stay away and let us have the time to find and bury our dead, to, to, to fix our, our broken infrastructure, and sadly to, to, to start the very dangerous and, and long and arduous process of rebuilding one of the most historic cities in the state.
1: Shaggy Jenkins, uh, for someone who has in, in a community, which is, you know, in no small part built on tourism, telling folks, hey, now is not the time. Please stay away. Uh, that that should give a lot of us a pause as just to how bad it is out there. As I noted, uh, Shaggy, you have been spending a lot of hours on the air, overnight shifts, morning shows serving your community. So thank you for that. And Ah, uh, thank you for carving out some time for us today on the broadcast, my friend. Please stay safe. Do let us know if there's anything that we can do as all of this moves forward. Uh, you know, to help Maui eventually as you move from disaster and recovery to rebuilding. Uh, as as I know that uh, as I know that you will. Thank you, uh, Shaggy. Stay safe out there, my friend.
3: Uh, thank you. And real quick, if people do want to send some sort of monetary donation,
1: mm-hmm. MauiFoodBank.org.
3: Slash donate, mm-hmm. uh, they are starting to uh, mobilize their efforts to feed the hundreds of displaced that we have here. So if you, if anybody would like to help, MauiFoodBank slash donate.
1: Well done, sir. Thank you. You can find uh, Shaggy. You can uh, I think get in touch with him uh, via the Instagram where he is Shaggy Live. Uh, although uh, who knows how much you'll be able to uh, keep up with that and everything else right now. Thanks, Shaggy. Good speaking with you, my friend. Hope to do so soon as things get better.
3: All right. You guys have a good one. Thanks for checking in on us. You bet.
1: Well. Yeah. That was a lot. Yeah. Wow. Yes.
2: They've got a lot on their hands right now. And I can totally appreciate what Shaggy means when he says, as you said, you know, don't come right now, Uh, maybe later. You know, the rest of Hawaii is still available. So, you know, give us some time. And I think it's really important for folks to know that if you're not actually on the islands, generally in disasters like this, uh, aid organizations request cash Rather than objects mm. or, or items, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to donate items, then check in with a legitimate organization who is going to gather those items and get them over there. But otherwise, cash is generally uh, the best help that you can give. So um, that looking up legitimate organizations, like he mentioned, the MauiFoodBank.org slash donate, that those are places where you can really make a difference without overburdening the aid organizations and the emergency response. That's actually there on the ground.
1: Yep. And I went a bit longer with uh, Shaggy there than I had uh, planned. So let's take a quick break and rethink the rest of the show very quickly. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, boy, great speaking with him. And, um, you know, I am just delighted that folks like Shaggy and our affiliate, KAKU, Uh, is still on the air, still able to serve the community locally at times like this. There are a lot of places around this country where that is not the case anymore. Small towns where uh, they don't necessarily have the local coverage uh, on the radio during times of emergency like this, which are obviously so important, uh, especially when when the power goes out. So I'm, I feel lucky that we were able to get through to him. But I am, uh, you know, if and when the Bradcast is back on the air in KAKU, uh, I mentioned I'd love to hear from folks out there. And I still would uh, to hear that you're OK. You can drop me email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. All right. Quick break. And we are back with uh, more Bradcast on something, something or other. Right after this, I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is supporting you and the things that you care about. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to counter the powerful corporate media echo chamber. Right now, as much as ever, if you choose to support us, you can do it really easily, safely, and quickly via bradblog.com donate. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you.
2: But nobody wants to know him They can see that he's just a fool
1: And he never gives an answer But the fool on the hill Sees the sun going down mm-hmm. And
2: the eyes in his head See the world spinning
1: round We will... Get to exactly who that particular fool on the hill is momentarily. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from BradBlog.com. Waves of severe thunderstorms in the U.S. during the first half of this year have so far led to $34 billion in insured losses, an unprecedented level of financial damage in such a short time that, according to Swiss Regroup, as Climate change contributes to the frequency and severity of violent meteorological events. Speaking of, since we were just uh, speaking with Shaggy in uh, in Maui, yes, AP reports damages from convective storms in the U.S. Do you know what convective storms are? Does yes, those in?
2: are storms that spin around and create really convict. bad
1: stuff <laughs> well they come with hail and lightning and heavy rain and high winds uh, convective storms damage from those types of storms accounted for nearly 70% of the 50 billion in global catastrophic damages so far this year the re- reinsurer said uh, on Wednesday and that's just in the first half of the year so 50 billion dollars globally 34 billion dollars of it right here. In the U.S., if I am understanding this correctly, the storms in the U.S. were so severe this year, according to Swiss Re that there were 10 that resulted in damages of one billion dollars or more, almost double the average recorded over the past decade. And by the way, fossil fuel loving Texas, Desi Doyen's own home state, yeah. hate to rub it in, was the most severely affected by all of this said the uh, global reinsurance giant's chief economist quote the effects of climate change can already be seen in certain perils like heat waves droughts floods and extreme precipitation besides the impact of climate change he said land use planning in more exposed coastal and riverine areas and urban sprawl into the wilderness generate a hard to revert combination of high value exposure in high-risk environments, he said. There have been a multitude of high-profile meteorological events to start the second the second half of the year, which, by the way, are not included in these uh, record numbers from the first half of the year. But in the second half of the year, we've got heat waves in the U.S. and in northwestern China and southern Europe and wildfires on Greek islands uh, in Italy, Algeria. Damages and insurance losses from those events are still being tallied, according to Swiss Re. Uh, So those numbers, again, are not yet included in the record assessment for the first half of the year. But things are not going well. The figures for the first half of the year are in line with a report last month from another reinsurer, Munich Re, which I think we covered on uh, one of our Green News reports, if I remember correctly. Yes, we did. They said the uh, series of thunderstorms that raked Texas back in June was the most expensive single event in the U.S. for the year so far. The overall loss from those storms alone is estimated at approximately $8.4 billion. All of this... Leading to major insurance companies, for example, pulling out of states like California and Texas and Florida or otherwise jacking up premium prices for uh, home and flood insurance for folks, for uh, Americans across the country, are now costing Americans a lot more money. Now, as the news out of Maui also reminds us, the effects of climate change right now are not only expensive, they are sadly also deadly. A message, it seems, that once again has not gotten through to the knuckleheads and jackasses on the Republican side that are hoping to become the nation's next president of the United States. For example, in this case embarrassing South Carolina U.S. Senator Tim Scott, whose comments about our climate emergency during an interview yesterday with Fox News' Brian Kilmeade kind of made my head explode. (laughs) Yes, it did. So now I will have a, a choice word or two for Senator Scott coming up in our Green News report momentarily in response to a piece Uh, Of that interview on Wednesday. But since I only had time on the GNR to share a second or two of what Senator Scott had to say and and there was a bit more that he had to embarrass himself with. uh, And as I suspect, Desi Doyen may also have a thought for the senator who seems to be running, by the way, more for vice president than president. But maybe that's just me. Uh, all of that, I thought I would just take a quick moment here to run a bit more of Tim Scott's comments on our climate emergency, on climate change, on Fox News, to give maybe Desi Doyen a chance to share a thought <laughs> or two. And remember, this isn't a conversation from, you know, 2004 or something. It's a conversation from Wednesday. Just days after massive flooding in the Northeast, ongoing record heat in the South from, you know, California to Arizona to Texas to Florida. And even as a deadly climate change fueled fire was sweeping through Maui, killing dozens in the former now tropical paradise. So uh, let's just uh, sort of step through here. Uh, This is what uh, Tim Scott had to say that I, uh, well, I had a response for on Green News Report.
0: This is ridiculous to talk about a climate emergency when we have a border emergency that is an existential threat right now.
1: Okay, so that my head doesn't explode once again, I'll leave my remarks to that comment for the Green News Report. But then Tim Scott had this to say. So, I mean, if we are to believe what the stats say, we are in record level heat across the country and in some cases around the world, do you believe that we're in the middle of climate change and do you believe it's, it's because of the use of fossil
0: fuels? We said so the, the climate is obviously changing, but what we should realize, Brian, is that the country that's cut its carbon footprint in half in the last 25 years is America. The best thing to do for the climate is to keep our jobs at home, not to send them to countries like China, India and Africa that have not impacted their actual carbon footprint. But my-
1: Yes. OK,
2: all of that is like complete and total nonsense. Yes, I, had to, I had to turn know.
1: down the slider there because Desi's head was exploding <laughs> during that part. Yes, well, go first ahead. Well,
2: it's incredibly galling that Tim yeah. Scott is taking credit for Democratic policies that have uh-huh. cut U.S. emissions in half. I mean, that's entirely due to President Obama and President Biden and congressional Democrats and Democrats at the state and local level. Yeah. It, uh, there, it's no thanks whatsoever to Republicans um, or even conservative Democrats like Joe Manchin who have blocked climate and pollution legislation. Republicans have voted against all of it. And and Republican-controlled states have sued to stop all of these attempts that have succeeded in reducing emissions so far.
1: So when he says, uh, "Well, you know, the other countries need to worry about it, we've cut our emissions in half, like he's proud of that, like that's a good thing that he did somehow, that Republicans did or that we all did together or something That's what we did. We cut them in half. Meanwhile, India and China, they didn't do their part.
2: Right, and you know he talks about, oh, you know the border. That's a that's an actual existential threat. No, no, you. Idiot! It is not <laughs> careful. I know. F.C.C. F.C.C. Know it All right, go ahead. Absolutely not an existential threat. There is no danger that the that the issues at the border are going to threaten the existence of the United States. However, climate change and the predictions that uh, climate scientists have said are mm-hmm. are coming if we don't act swiftly to cut emissions. They actually could bring the existence of not just the United States, but, you know, human life and all species. That's a problem.
1: Yeah, and that's happening right now.
2: Indeed. It, and, you know, Tim Scott completely ignores the hundreds of Americans who have already been killed so far this year
1: yeah. alone Including by extreme 36 weather disasters. that we know of just over the past 24 hours, as Tim Scott was talking and saying this crap.
2: Yeah, and it is, um, climate change is absolutely a danger to national security. The Defense Department calls climate change a threat multiplier, because it really does affect mm-hmm. uh, U.S. interests abroad, and at home, I mean, abroad, you've got volatile regions where food and water shortages trigger climate migration and unrest, like in the Middle East. That's a problem for the U.S. Here at home, the U.S. military has already done several analyses that. That show how it is being impacted directly by weather disasters like mi- military facilities on our coast. The Virginia Norfolk shipyards are going to have to be moved due to rising seas. That's costly. So my final point. Yeah. If your ideology yeah. prevents you from acknowledging actual risks to national security like climate change. And your ideology prevents you from acting to protect Americans today from climate impacts and from future impacts. Yeah. Then your ideology itself is... A risk natu- to national security.
1: Tim Scott himself is an existential threat to this country. <laughs> I mean, when, you, what when you fail
2: yeah. to plan, you plan to fail, and that is what Republicans are doing. They are planning for American communities to fail because they refuse to fund uh, the kinds of adaptation and mitigation that we need to address what is coming.
1: And he threw in the old, uh, "Oh, climate is always changing." Uh, at the beginning there, and I loved how Brian Kilmeade said, "If you believe the stats." <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, But here's one other point. Before we get to a break and the Green News Report, and then we get some... Uh, hopefully we'll have some time for some listener mail thereafter. But... Um Florida, since 1992, when Hurricane Andrew slammed the state and many insurance carriers left the state, they have been seeing more and more of those major insurers just leaving Florida entirely, including farmers recently and AAA, though AAA now claims they haven't left entirely. Uh, all of that as the storms and the flooding gets worse and more frequent in Florida. Now, if you can't get homeowners insurance, Guess what? We're going to see a mortgage crisis as well, because if you can't get homeowners insurance, you can't get a mortgage either, which could result in a mortgage crisis in the entire housing sector in Florida. Well, guess what? Tim Tim Scott, he's from South Carolina, for Christ's sake. It seems like he ought to be a little bit concerned about this existential threat that is moving up the coast. Going right into South Carolina, right where you live, Tim Scott. But no, that border crisis. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Man, don't even get me started. Well, you already have. (laughs) So let's take a quick break and we will uh, finish the deal with uh, Green News Report straight ahead. A little bit of listener mail and whatever else we have time for right here on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. All right, welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Let's get to our uh, latest green news report, and then we'll have time for a listener mail or two, which oh, good, maybe you'll enjoy, or maybe you won't. Iconic Lahaina, a paradise lost.
2: Devastation in Maui after deadly wildfire outbreak. Record ocean heat wreaking havoc on marine life. Plus...
1: There's no national treasure, none that is grander, In the Grand Canyon.
2: The president protects iconic public lands from uranium mining.
1: All of those stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. This
0: is ridiculous to talk about a climate emergency when we have a border emergency that is an existential threat right now.
1: Hey, newsflash, Tim Scott. Climate change is an existential threat right now, and it's killing American citizens. Do you give a damn? This is your Green News Report.
0: I'm gonna soak up the sun.
1: Okay, Desi Doyen, boy, that uh, Tim Scott really irritates me today for some reason, especially with this news. of Maui.
2: Yes, it's heartbreaking news in Hawaii. Several fast-moving, deadly wildfires on Maui and the Big Island triggered mandatory evacuations and knocked out power, communications and critical infrastructure, fueled by low humidity, dried out vegetation and intense winds from a distant hurricane. In western Maui, at least 36 people were killed in a massive fire that destroyed much of the historic town of Lahaina. Some residents were forced into the ocean to escape. Escape the flames. Experts say the Hawaiian islands have become increasingly prone to wildfires due to more frequent drought conditions and non-native vegetation. Climate change is increasing vegetation dryness in many parts of the world.
1: Just heartbreaking news. Last I checked, there were nearly 300 300- Structures destroyed in Lahaina.
2: In other news, it is now official. The numbers are in. And yes, July 2023 was Earth's hottest month by an unusually wide margin since record-keeping began in the mid-1800s.
1: You mean this July? Yes. Right now? Yes. I mean, someone ought to tell Tim Scott. All that heat
2: energy is fueling new extreme weather disasters. The United States has now seen a record 15 separate billion-dollar weather disaster so far this year This year Those are disasters causing more than a billion dollars each in damages NOAA says it's the most mega disasters in the first seven months of any year Since they began tracking it in 1980 Mostly from extreme heat and devastating floods Scientists say 2023 is virtually certain now To take the top spot as the hottest year ever recorded Blowing past the previous hottest year of 2016
1: Yeah, but Joe Biden hasn't been to the border lately.
2: Scientists are freaking out a bit about the oceans, hitting new record temperatures globally, which is in turn fueling extreme weather and disrupting marine life. In Florida, coral restoration groups are in emergency rescue mode, trying to save the state's last remaining corals from historic bleaching caused by the abnormally hot temperatures. NOAA this week announced a new extreme marine heat wave is brewing off the coasts of Oregon and Washington, fueling toxic algae blooms with water temperatures nearly nine degrees hotter than normal. The oceans are a vital planetary climate regulator, soaking up heat from man made global warming. Warmer water fuels more intense storms and storm surges and reduces the ocean's ability to absorb CO2 from humanity's burning of fossil fuels. In South America, one of the most extreme heat events ever recorded has shattered records. It's midwinter, but temperatures have hit 95 degrees and higher in many locations, including at elevations higher than 4,000 feet. In the Andes Mountains. 95
1: degrees at 4,000 feet in the Andes Mountains. In winter? Yes. Oh.
2: But some good news. Also in South America, eight Amazon rainforest nations this week adopted a wide-ranging pact to protect the world's largest rainforest and urged developed countries to do more to stop its massive destruction. But the agreement fell short of a commitment to completely halt deforestation by 2030.
1: Wow. Seems like a lot of bad stuff is going on right here, right now. Finally, some
2: great news. President Biden this week designated the lands surrounding Grand Canyon National Park as a new national monument, permanently protecting nearly a million acres of lands sacred to Native American tribes from new mining and development, although existing mine operations will continue. Native American tribes and conservationists say the designation is critical to protect water resources in the region, a region grappling with abandoned uranium mines contaminating groundwater. President Biden called the Grand Canyon the birthright of every American and focused on the long-term sustainable economic benefits to the state's economy.
0: Growing the tourism economy that already accounts for 11 percent of all Arizona jobs. Folks, preserving these lands is good not only for Arizona, but for the planet. It's good for the economy. It's good for the soul of the nation.
1: Yeah, but he hasn't gone down to the border like Tim Scott to stare at the water and pretend he gives a damn. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. Right here, right now, the world wake up from history. Yeah, not a good kind of history. Mm. Thank you very much. Desi Doyen. I have uh, I've been talking uh, on this show in recent weeks a lot about how we have come in this nation and and in fact globally to a moment where uh, next year's election, uh, for example, will, I think, be a simple question. Do we want democracy here in the U.S.? Which the Democratic Party is now representing, or do we want autocracy, which is now sort of unapologetically being represented by Donald Trump and almost the entirety of his Republican Party? Anyway, listener Ed P. writes in to say, subject, you're right, but please stop. What? Okay. Democracy versus autocracy, he writes. You're absolutely right, but please We need to keep it to what people who do not listen to you will understand. It's fascism, he writes. It's democracy or fascism. The word autocracy does not scare people. Republicans have long ago learned that fear is their best ally. They lie to gin up fear to motivate their voters. We can be completely truthful in using fear to motivate voters. Fascism is a scary word that invokes much more fear than autocracy. As you can tell, writes Ed, I am on a mission for everyone who does not want Trump to be reelected to use fear in an honest way, with gerrymandering, voter suppression. Uh, I am uh, concerned, not about you, but about others, and I am starting to hear a repeat of the 2016 meme of, well, he'll never get elected again. So, please drop the autocracy and use fascism preferably in a very scary voice.
2: <laughs> well, he's got a good point there, Ed.
1: Does he? Yep. Does
2: he have a good point? Well, I think that he is accurate in that the vast majority of Americans who are busy living their lives, raising children, going to work, paying mortgages, taking care of their parents, yeah. all of that stuff, they don't have time to look up what autocracy means, and it may not be that clear to them. Fascism, however, everybody understands really? what fascism is, I think. Really? You think?
1: think? Well, I, you know, I always sort of always think of fascism as a form of, Of autocracy, whereas, for example, what the Ohio GOP did uh, over this past week, attempting to have voters vote to weaken their own ability to change the state constitution, I felt like that was an autocratic measure. It would give state lawmakers more power, but it was not necessarily fascism. So I, I feel like autocracy is broader uh, but, of course, I'm not a political scientist, so all of this may be above my pay grade <laughs> and, and worth speaking uh, with someone who actually knows about this stuff on a show in the future, though I'm hoping that things don't get so bad <laughs> that we actually have to. Anyway, you can uh, write me uh, with your thoughts on autocracy versus fascism at uh, Bradcast at And one more before we go. This is from listener Pat in upstate New York she wrote in to say I took advantage of being forced indoors by severe thunderstorm warnings mm. for most of yesterday afternoon and evening and continued rainy conditions this morning to complete a broadcast marathon <laughs> and I am now totally caught up to date she says oh i hope i hope you're okay after that pad i <laughs> I I always advise, you know, against too many broadcasts in a row without a break, if only for your mental health. Anyway, (laughs) she continues, uh, in one of the uh, broadcasts, you and Desi were discussing that you hoped basically that all of the indictments against Trump might actually be getting through to some Trump supporters as to how dangerous he is. She says, I don't know if it's any indication that that is occurring, but I noticed recently the two... Trump 2024 flags have disappeared from <laughs> the neighborhood that mm. I walk through to get to downtown in the small city in upstate New York where I live. For all I know, she says, the people moved or the flags blew away in one of our more frequent thunderstorms. But I prefer to think that the owners were coming to their senses. Guess only time will tell. Pat. Well. Thank you very much, Pat. I have only one question in response, however. Why did you steal those flags, Pat? (laughs) Put them back. That's all I'm saying. All right, we have got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, and to my guest today, Shaggy Jenkins, via our uh, Maui affiliate, KAKU88.5 FM, The Voice of Maui. Uh, And a reminder that he uh, says if you want to help, if you want to support, if you want to give money uh, to that effort and the nightmare they are facing there, go to MauiFoodBank.org slash donate. My thanks also to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. We hope we made it worth your while. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other that we have ever done. You can download them all for free at bradblog.com. Thanks to those of you who hit one of those donate buttons when you stop by the blog. Drop me an email. If you like, I'm Bradcast at Bradblog.com. Maybe if you know what Pat did with those flags. <laughs> uh, otherwise, you can find me on the Facebooks, the Mastodons, and the site formerly known as Twitter at the BradBlog. We will see you at one of the above before we see you here next time. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.